0: Sorry, just a moment. Ah. Technical difficulties. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. I mean, wow, great songs about a great Savior. And you know what? We have such joy awaiting us. And this is just, this is the prequel. this is the this is where we as believers, children of God, we get to gather and worship him and praise him, and you know there's a day coming we're going to be with him for forever in eternity, and we're going to be worshiping and praising him, and all these other things are going to be gone past, and they're not going to have any any power or um, effect on us so Oh, well, that's different. I've titled this message, um, Of Such is the Kingdom of God. But before I start, I'd like to open in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. It is right and good to make much of him and to just uh, look into your word and, and rejoice in God our Savior. And so, Father in heaven, as we look uh, into your word, and we look at the word made flesh, Father in heaven, bless this message, and uh, bless the hearers, that your name would be exalted. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In uh, Luke 18, it keeps going to some other text here, hang on. Luke 18, Jesus said, But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. And that's the message, of such is the kingdom of God. We as children of God live in a fallen world, and it continues to fall. As human beings, our nature is corrupted. We see the moral decline amidst the ever-growing chaos of living in a world unhinged from morality. But amidst the chaos, our Father in heaven has given us his word. One of my nephews found a, a really large clam on the beach at Clam Harbor. I mean, what else would you find, right? It's clams. And um, he wanted to take it home, but the clamshell, it was open just enough to, to be able to put your fingers in there to kind of pry it open. So I began to pry it open, and man, it was a workout. Uh, I managed to pry it on it and pry it open. It was quite the challenge. And you know, for us as believers, as Christians, our Bibles are like that sometimes. It takes tremendous effort sometimes to crack it open. The Bible that the Gideons uh, distribute has this preface, a preface to it. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, too, Heaven is opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. That is such a, a staggeringly accurate description of what the Word of God is. And um, you know, a lot of the times, we, we avoid the very things that that will see us through the difficulties and struggles and trials that seem to converge on us, especially now, all at once. And, and we know what uh, I'm referring to. I mean, how many times do we get hit with seemingly insurmountable predicaments? At first we may react as if we're caught off guard, as the crisis sinks in, it's like a chicken with its head cut off. Has, everybody, has anybody ever seen a chicken with its head cut off? Right? Yeah, that's something. My grandmother used to do that. And then I'd hide under this, I'd run underneath this truck and that chicken would be running all over. It was, yeah. Anyways, so um, if we would just look immediately to his word instead of relying on our own resources, I mean, we look at the revealed character of God, it leads to that peace that surpasses all understanding. Have you ever seen what a little child does when they are in a store, say, and they see something that causes them to be afraid? They start backing up, they back up, Right up to the parents, grab the leg, and look up. That's what we have to do, saints. That's what we have to do. We need to back up. We we need to back up to the safety and security that's found in the Word of God and look up to Him who holds the universe in the palm of His hand. You know, I love nature shows. I think I was intrigued with them before I, I was a believer. But... Now when I look at them, I see the, the awesomeness and the majesty of God, and it, it, it's wonderful to give him credit where credit is due. I remember a friend of mine, this is long before I came to know the Lord, um, but he couldn't get past why God would want to be worshiped, why God should get the credit. And I said to him, and he was a, he's a pretty good artist. I said to him, what do you do when you finish your painting? What, what, what's the last thing you do? Well, I sign my name in it. Why? Well, because he wants the credit. He did it, you know? And God deserves a credit, and he deserved that. But, well, he deserves something else, too. We all do. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but, you know, when you look at things like, majesty of creation, the incredible creatures that God has designed down to the last atom, the last subatomic particle. Man, that's a reason to be encouraged, saints. Look at the mighty elephant. I mean, nothing. Look at a horse. Those little hooves, all that weight, not a problem. Runs around, does its thing. It's amazing just the the level of intricacy and design in there. Have you ever heard of a lion roar? I mean, what a sound What, what coming out of that creature. It's, it's, um, it's terrifying. You know, Jesus wanted to gather the children of Jerusalem to himself as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings to itself, but they were not willing. Isn't that, isn't that ironic that in this day and age, God is still calling people to himself, and we see it a lot when we're on the street. A lot of people aren't willing, and they're missing out. They're missing out on this. They're missing out on, on, on the hope that comes through faith in Christ from being born again. This world, if you think about it, I was, I was speaking with our, um, Nick, a brother Nick, uh, provost, on Friday night, and I said, isn't this world exactly what you would expect to see in a world bent on destroying every visage of the one and only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent? Isn't this t- typical of what we should see? A world in rebellion, a world without a moral compass, a world that is trying to do better and be better, and yet look, look at the news if you dare. Don't look at it too much, as Ima has said. Don't, don't look at the news too much because it, uh, it's really startling sometimes. So how do we navigate this? Jan Markell said these things. The world is falling apart, but it's also falling into place as well. And so it is. God, is. God is handling this thing. He is sovereign. He's working this out. Each of us is in a different situation or situations. And we multiple things all at once converging. I think a lot of us would agree. There's a lot of things coming together. And I'm speaking not only from the prophetical point where, in the word of God, we see what's coming down. But it seems like, wow, how much more? Have you been to that point probably in the last couple of years where it's like, wow, I don't know how much you are aware of. I can't take on one more thing, and then something else happens, and something else happens. It's, it's a continual roller coaster in a lot of ways, And even us as believers, we struggle a lot of the ways. Think of the world and I'm sure a lot we all do think of the world that has no um, truth. They're, they're just ambling around, and while wow, there was a guy on the street that um, uh, came up he came up to John after, but I'd spoken with him, and he was very heavily intoxicated. And uh, he professed to be a Christian. He said, "I, I, I used to be a Christian." He said, and uh, he he was just trying to say, "Yeah, yeah, what I'm doing, it's okay. It's okay. That's that's what it says in the Bible." He says, "That's what it says." Jesus said assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice what Jesus said. Unless you become as little children and are converted, converted carries the meaning of being turned around not only in your thinking, but in your direction from loving and living as rebels against everything that God in Christ represents to believing the truth revealed in his infallible word. Interesting, right? We have the, we have the fallen world, and we have the infallible word of God. It's, what a contrast. The two things are so diametrically opposed. Then, near the time of the cross approaching, Jesus said, referring to the disciples who were looking to him like a small child, looks to his or her parent, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come, so now I say to you, and then later on he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way and the way you know. Um, and Thomas said, Lord, we don't, we don't know the way where we are going. How can we know the way? I'm, it's, it's almost like what a little kid would say, right? That, uh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What do you mean the way? Our son Jordan was in the back seat in a, in a, in a child uh, seat, and Diane and I were talking about Diana's my wife, uh, and uh, Diane and I were talking and uh, planning something. And he he started crying in the back because he could hear part of it. He but and I says, What's wrong? And he looked back and he said, and his tears down his face. He says, I don't understand. I just don't understand. And you know, it was so sweet because you know he wanted to understand. He he wa- wanted to, fig- to 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 uh, understand what was happening. And you know, I, I think a lot of us as Christians, were like that, we're crying out to God. I, I wanna understand, you know, just give, give me, help me to understand this. And you know, it's, it's in his word. Things have happened to me in my past, maybe almost 40 years ago. And I remember looking up at the sky, I wasn't a believer, I, I wasn't born again. Uh, I believed in God. Um, and I just looked up in the sky and I just went, why, why, why? And so some 40 years later I go, oh, that's why. So, you know, sometimes you have to wait a little while. Look at Moses in the wilderness, right? 40 years. I'm sure he was going, why? <laughs> you know, there's a, uh, referring back to that young man that was intoxicated and said that he used to be a Christian. You know, he had just enough of the Bible to hang himself, right? He took advantage of those scriptures that work well for him. And we hear it all the time on the street. And, and that's the sort of perspective that we have to have with them, especially when they quote one of the most quoted, like, judge not, judge not, but they forget about the context. So what are the three rules of Bible interpretation? Number one, context. Number two, context. Number three, context. Amen. You know, Spurgeon said, there is dust enough on some of your Bibles to write damnation with your fingers. I mean, that's heavy, you know. There's a, there's people you know they got the Bible. How many times John have uh, people have come up? They've showed us the cross. Hey, yeah, I got the cross. I'm good. I'm good to go. Or they lift up their shirt and they've got this big tattoo of G- of Jesus on their side. and I'm going, well, that's uh that, that's interesting. And yet they're they're of course they're saying and doing things that are of course not, they're 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 not believers. I'm not saying that if so- someone has a cross, they're they're not a, a believer. I'm simply saying. Yeah, if they're trusting in that piece of metal or wood or whatever it is, thinking that's they're good to go, you know, they're, they're, they're unfortunately, seriously deceived. You know, j- little children are dependent on their parents, while even, ironically, grown-up children are dependent upon their parents. But that's another story. Little children are a bit of a picture of innocence. They ask why, and whatever answer you give them, it leads to another why. For example, if you say you we're going to the store, they say, why? Well, we need to pick up some food. Why? We need food to keep healthy. Why? Because without food, you can't live. Why? Because then, when you eat the food, you won't be asking me why. (laughs) They won't understand sometimes, but I think sometimes they do it just to bug us, you know? Bless their little hearts. (laughs) A little child doesn't fret about, did Dad pay the rent? I wonder if the furnace is going to pooch out, you know? They don't. They're not. They're, they are confident that mom and dad are going to provide for them, and that gives them the freedom to live. And you know what? It's that's isn't it wonderful to look at a child? That's why Jesus says, "Hey, don't stop them from coming to me," because the parents wanted to have the children blessed by Jesus. And uh, it's it's a picture of innocence. We're called little children in His word, and we don't have to fret either. Jesus said in Luke. Chapter 12, to his disciples. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on it. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And then further down he says, consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? All the things that the nations of the world seek for, eating and drinking, and your father knows that you need things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock. And this this is wonderful here. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, worry won't help. It's just burning you out, and it won't help. The Apostle John wrote to the believers, addressing them as children. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. In 1 John chapter 2, he writes, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 1 John 3. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. In First John chapter 3:18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I mean, amen to that. It, it, you ever see that a little diagram is in, in a gospel tract? I think long, long, maybe. 25 years ago, I read it. It had that little train in there. It had the engine. had the engine. Then it had the next car and then the next car. And the first one was fact. And then the next one was faith. And the next one was feelings. And what it was trying to convey was that if we try to put our feelings on the first thing and try to have that as the engine that moves us through life, we will be utterly disappointed, right? Because our feelings, they come and go. But even through the midst of all this, uh, as believers, we have this undercurrent that just, it's fine. Everything's, you ever see uh, ships at sea in a storm? And yet below the surface, everything, it's unaffected, right? And that's what we have to be when we look at the word of God and we embrace who we are. We are the children of God. Sons and daughters, right, you mean? Abraham was like a little child. Do you remember in Genesis when he, he knew that uh, what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah? And he said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the righteous that were in it, for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from me, for, from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. He's really emphasizing that point. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, look at the... I thought that's so bold. I mean, Matt, he's talk, you're talking to God like that. You're just... Uh, I thought that was very bold. But you know what? It, 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 it's typical of someone that would be trusting in the Lord and saying, in a sense, where he could come to him and get the answers, right? He's kind of going, why, 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 right? And God is saying, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city... Then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. What are, what are children like? They're humble. They're little. They're just okay. You know, you hand them something. Okay, I'll eat that. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll drink that. Okay. You know, they're so trusting. And that's what God wants us to be, trusting in him. And when these things come along, these, these storms in our life, so to speak, we can trust him. We have his word. And, and it, if we rely on the facts, like that engine, fact, faith, feelings, if we keep that in order, this is what God says. I believe what God says. Our feelings may come and go, but if you trust in the word of God, and it, it is the litmus test, right? I, as well as you, at many times, things go wrong, and you know what? We're 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 panicking. You know, we want to get out of that situation. And yet those situations sometimes are the very things that will expose that, Lord, I don't think I'm really trusting in you that much. I want to, I want to be able to trust you. And that's why when Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, you know, we can do that. We can come to him as his children, as, as, as his beloved children. Then he goes on to say, well, what about 45? If I find there 45, I will not destroy it suppose there are 40 I will not do it for the sake of 40 and then Abraham says let not the Lord be angry and I will speak suppose 30 should be found there so he said I will not do it if I find 30 there and he said indeed now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord suppose 20 should be found there at this point I was looking at this going that's incredible I just where is this going you know so I so had to keep reading So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. But once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. The humble childlike faith, Abraham, going going to God. It's so easy to get off course if we're not constantly keeping our focus on Christ and in the word of God. Remember the clam? Crack it open. Try open that Bible, stay in the Word. That's what Jesus said, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. And you just think, what does that mean? Being a new Christian and really wasn't going to really talking with other Christians, I was, very, I was a brand new Christian. Remain in me, what does that mean? It, remain in the, His Word. Stay in His Word. Stay in prayer. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, we're all the same. We're all the same if we're believers, if we've been born again. We stumble, we fall, we get confused, we ask why. But I want to encourage each and every one of you the comfort is in the Word of God. And that, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, that's that peace that surpasses understanding. So I want to encourage you guys. Sometimes God uses the strength of an illness or other calamity to help us probably open His Word. Don't, don't wait for that to happen. Get into the Word before it happens. You know, I have gathered a lot of scriptures to go to when I get sideswiped by something. Because when I'm in the moment... I'm like that chicken with its head cut off. I'm run- I, I don't have the, the thought uh, or, or, or the integrity, I guess, in a way, the, just the, the, the ability to, to go and start looking for those verses. You know, I used to work in sports fields, and they had these AED machines hanging on the wall. When you need to use that thing, it's there, Right? You just got to grab. You got to grab it. You got to use it. Uh, if you're all of a sudden, something happens where someone goes down in an arena, a hockey game, whatever. You know, uh, an AED machine is that. What are they? Uh, uh, what's it called? Automated external defibrillator. Right. That's the thing where you get to go, sorta. Of. But but uh, it's it's a lot gentler than that, in some ways. To the person that's getting zapped, I suppose not. But um, you can't go. Oh, the guy's down on the ice. Whatever. I should go to the store and pick one up. Or where did I put that thing? As you start looking through cupboards and that, you know, so have them ready. Have those promises of God ready so that when you need to, you can go to them and you can find them. Because you're, a lot of the times we're, we're, in, we're in it and uh, it's hard to at that point to sort of, you know, get a hold of some of those scriptures. So yeah, I've got this one little thing on my iPad. It says, help! And then I know to go to that folder and all the verses that... that that are comforting or encouraging, and that would remind me, and you, that would remind us that uh, our, our, our Father in heaven, you know, we've been adopted into the family of God. You know, every, the world, every single human being on this planet that's ever been born and will be born, all of them are created by God, but they're not all his children, right? Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Before we're born again, that's who we are. And we do his works. And the, the testimony of that is look at the world, right? We see the world. Am I telling you guys anything new? Probably not. Still exciting, though, because you know what? We get to look at the word of God. You, do you guys ever remember that movie, Apollo 13, where they're stuck in space and they're you know, they trying to figure out how to get back? And they, put, they had the, the image of the earth in a, a window, and as they were burning the engines because they had to get on course and all all their systems were down. They had to keep when they're using that joystick, they had to keep the the world in focus in view there. And that's what we have to do with the word of God. And God, we have to do that. We got to keep a as we're trying to okay, I'm trying to figure this out. We got oh yeah, there's the word of God. Oh yeah. You know, don't be afraid. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh yeah, that's a good one. You know, Stay with the word of God. It'll get, you, it'll get us. We're all going home, one day to our forever home. But you know what? In this world, it helps chart us to the next day, literally. Have you guys ever heard of that acronym? Push, pray until something happens? That's a good one. So keep praying, you know. Keep praying, saints. Fact, faith, feelings. So we, we see that the world is in, uh, in the state that it's in. How do we live for God? Through His Word. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. He wants us to be with Him forever. Why? Because He said so. (laughs) And He always, always, always keeps His Word. In Revelation 19, it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. You ever see when geese are flying, or other birds, I guess, and they make that V, and there's the one in the front there, and the other ones are trailing behind, following him, because the, the lead one's cutting the, the, the wind resistance. You know, think about that. You know, when we come back with the Lord, um, he's, he's going to be exactly like his word says, riding in front. We're going to be behind him. You know, all the focus is going to be on the front, and he's going to cut the resistance uh, of sin at the roots. And he has written on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. As we grow in our relationship with God, you guys notice, as we delve deeper into his word, how precious the blood of Christ becomes. It's a precious thing. It's a beautiful thing. And um, again, I'll... Preaching and some people, when they hear about the blood of Christ, they they're, they're repulsed by it. They don't understand, right? Because it's a, it, there's a spiritual aspect of it that they can't comprehend. And it becomes more and more sublime the more we think on it. You know, the word sublime means lofty, grand, exalted in thought, expression, or manner of outstanding spiritual, intellectual, or moral worth. The blood inspires us to awe because of its beauty and nobility, its grandeur. Remember that in, in Genesis, um, they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. And when you first read that, maybe you don't see, oh, okay, but when you read in Revelation where he was clothed in a vestige or a robe dipped in blood, uh, that inspires such confidence because I go, that's no coincidence. Those things aren't coincidences in his word. Those things are laid out for us to discover, just like walking down the beach and you see a a wonderful gem line in the sand or something. They're all there. You just have to pick them up and just say, hey, it, it all fits. And we've been made fit for the kingdom of God, too. So. Sorry for the, this thing keeps skipping on me. 1 Peter chapter 1, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, we've been redeemed. Having disarmed principalities and powers, that was one of the the, the the scriptures that was quoted this morning. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. There's only one way to save this world, you know, and it's not reducing the carbon footprint. It's the gospel. You can force people to obey a set of rules, but that suppression of behavior is external It won't bring about any real and lasting peace. No human rallying cry of, We can be better! No, you can't. We can bring this world out of crime and evil by doing social reformation. No, you can't. I can do anything with a verse taken out of context. Again, no, you can't. I mean, since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, man has been trying to get up under his own steam and has met with absolute failure. Every time you can compel people to comply with a set of rules and somehow think that will solve the problem, but those attempts are futile. The gospel changes people on the inside. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way that this world's going to come together. And you know what? That's why we need to go out into the world and tell them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Use tracts. They're wonderful. They work. Tell people. When we're a new man or woman in Christ being a new creation, separated and saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings, we're new creations. This world is not our home. But for those who don't know the Lord, if they told even one lie, use God's name in vain even once, Looked at someone with lust, you'll be found guilty on judgment day. And hell will be your just punishment. But God is rich in mercy. Remember how God was willing to spare Sodom for the sake of every of even ten righteous? God is not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want even one to perish. A broken spirit, a broken, and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. In humbleness, with childlike faith, admit you've sinned against God. Believe that Jesus died for you and rose again. Ask him to forgive you and save you from a fate worse than death. We use it almost as a cliche, right? A fate worse than death. Hell is a fate worse than death. So, if you don't know him, what are you waiting for? If we're born again, we can have the every confidence, every assurance that not only is our King returning, He's coming very soon. We have His word on it. I'd like to sing with the help of the worship team. Um, Behold, He comes. And then I'll end with some prayer. We have the faith, Father, in heaven. And the faith is in the Son of God. And so, Father, in heaven, help us, Lord, to rejoice in that truth. Tell others. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening.